Let us pray together. Spirit of living God, fall fresh now on this preacher. And on these, on these, your redeemed children, watching from wherever they are, and those who are seated in this worship space. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters, as you know, every country around the world has some form of currency they use for exchange of goods and services. Some currency, as you know, is higher exchange than others. For example, the Great Britain's money to ours is quite a bit higher, and that's why you can't hardly get down to Memphis and see the Presley Mansion of Nashville because there's a lot of people from Europe now that's visiting us because it's a great deal for them. Each country that has these currencies, currencies, they use them for the exact same purpose. They use them to exchange for goods and services around the world. The United States, though, in 1864, in the 1864 Congress, passed the Coinage Act so that an adaption could be made to the coins that we printed. On April 22nd, they voted to include these words, in God we trust. And this was for the first time printed on a two-cent. At least part of the motivation for, for them adding this motto to America's coins and currency was to acknowledge, my friend, the religiosity that was going on across America. People turned to God in droves during the Civil War. The war tore apart America, and the federal government used the addition in God we trust to promote solidarity and common unification. And then during the Cold War era, era the United States tried to distinguish itself from the Soviet Union, who declared a state promoted atheism. And so the United States in the 84th Congress of 1956 passed a declaring in God the national motto. Think about it. It's our national motto. In God we trust. And brothers and sisters, that brings us to the currency of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, you and I, have a currency that is no different than the kingdom's currency in the rest of the world that people use for spending and buying and saving. Whether we realize it or not, my friends, we, are, we have a currency, whether we recognize it or not, in the kingdom of God. Careful that currency. It will cause us to go bankrupt without notice. The Israelites, for example, had reached the Old Testament road, literally. Their covenant, covenant with God was dangling by a thread by the time the prophet Malachi appears on the stage. Their relationship with God was in total neglect. They cared more about surface and cultural things than they did the things of God. There was widespread unfaithfulness. The folk were faithful to everything but God. 
God had long established a covenant with the people that when you harvest your crops, you leave 10%, leave a portion behind so that those who come that doesn't have anything can get from your fields and get from what God has blessed you with. They may get a morsel, a meal when they needed it. They long since forgot that. Currency of the world was more important than the currency of leaving something in the fields for the gleaners to come along and use for their own fulfillment. They needed to press the reset button. They needed to start over with a new beginning, with a new covenant promise to God. So the prophet Malachi was dispatched scene and he was dispatched to do a very difficult thing even for preachers today most preachers today do do not like talking about money and gifts from the pulpit because we don't we run the risk of people saying that's all he care about is money Mm -hmm. he just need money so he can just continue to buy the things he buy he doesn't care about me he just cares about our money so Malachi This prophet sent from God appears to give us a fixed percentage of what a tithe is for God's people that would return them back and restore them back to God's favor. But Malachi was after more than just 10% of their income. To begin with, the whole tithe for the ancient Israel, for Israel's people, was about 23 and a third of their income. Think about it. It's like that for Methodist pastors. I know you don't know that. But Methodist pastors pay anywhere between 20 and 23% of their income. It's because we have to pay the full unemployment social security tax. The church doesn't pay any taxes for us. And so in that day and age, they they recommended that you had to give at least 23% of your income according to the Mosaic law and it is prescribed three times the work that you did if you worked as a field person or you had cattle you were required to donate some of it to the temple so that the temple would continue to move on not only did the temple needed 23 percent of your income they needed a percent you dealt of goods and service for the expenses of the annual festivals in the temple alone. Every three years, the people were expected to give double their portion. See, together with all of these things, represented more than 23% of their income. And my brothers and sisters, any understanding of the Old Testament teaching must come through the eyes of Jesus. Let me say that again. Any Old Testament teaching needs to be verified. You see, the only place where Jesus tithes in the New Testament has, and it doesn't really even talk about money, it has to do with rebuking hypocrisy of certain scribes and Pharisees, they would suggest that you live one way while they were living another way. And Jesus suggests a tithe of your whole being. You see, things had changed. Jesus now is the temple. There was no need now to give 23% of your income for the temple. 
Because wherever you were in God's name, you were with the temple. So Jesus requires something radically more than just 23% of what you produce. Jesus required it all if necessary. Everything you have, if it will bring people to the kingdom of God, is what Jesus required. And he told parables like the one person left 99 people to go after the one sheep. The one sheep was important. And if we have to spend 99% of our income as a church to make someone come to Jesus, it is what Jesus requires. Jesus not only requires our money, he requires everything that God has given us. The abilities that God has given us, the things that we seem to do effortlessly, God requires us to use those things for the upbuilding of the kingdom. So if you look at it through the eyes of Jesus and ask, what is a tithe? Jesus would say, whatever is necessary to sustain the ministry of Calvary United Methodist Church to the world and more specifically, to Bloomington normal. He then adds, you should practice doing this as often as you can. You remember when the rich young ruler came up to him and said, what must I do to inherit the kingdom? And Jesus says to him, you go home, you sell everything, everything you have and give it to the poor. And like many of us, he could not find it in his heart to do so. Totally relying on God rather than our stuff has been and always will be a tough task for the church. God wants us to know that if we give back to God what God has given to us, the psalmist says the earth is the Lord and the full is thereof. It all belongs to God in the first place. God takes care of our daily needs according to his riches and glory. Give us this day our daily bread. Requires God, today I know you will provide for what I need. And by the way, I'll be back tomorrow. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Jesus teaches it's necessary. If necessary. We must be willing to give everything we have to elevate the state of humanity. But Malachi was tasked with delivering eight oracles of revelation to the Israelites. I like to call them the eight oracles of the kingdom's currency. Number one, he said, we must respond to God's love through relationships with God and our neighbors by spending time with God. You see, how you spend your time shows a lot about what you value. We must carve aside time every single day to spend with God. I know you know that our time is precious. Everyone wants part of our time. But the Bible and I urge you to carve out a spot in your day, morning, noon, or night, so that you can spend some time where only you and God are communicating with each other. In the kingdom, there is equality, and we have been given the same amount of time. 
everybody can give time because we've all been given 24 hours in one day. And how we spend that time determines what we really value. If, if you know what you value, if you don't know what you value, start evaluating how you spend your time. And it'll tell you what it is that's important to you. Second, Malachi says, be faithful as God's covenant people. In other words, he wants us to be a team player. There's no I in the kingdom citizenship. We all can do this thing that God has called us to do in the world. No one get the job done alone because every one of us carry a piece of a gift that God has given us. Every staff member or cavalry, every volunteer at cavalry, every person that has called themselves a person who belongs has been gifted by God to give with a talent that they can use to add to the building of the kingdom of God. And we are commanded Use those talents to bring people into the sure knowledge of knowing that God will never leave us nor forsake us. The more we agree with the oracles of God, the more we have faith in God's promise to walk with us, the more we believe what we read in the Bible, the more we get that faith is one currency in the kingdom of God. It will increase our faith five, ten, fifty, a hundredfold. Three, we must have a mentality that there is more than enough. Friends, I'm one of those people that was born poor, as I told you. And if I'm not careful, I can hard not only my clothes, but my money. I always in the back of my mind, have to be careful of thinking, I'm never going to have enough. And any day now, I can be back poor. I'm one of those people for years monitored my credit score because I was afraid that if it went down any, if I needed something, I couldn't get it. But my brothers and sisters, there came a time where I had to say, in God I trust. And I had to come to believe, and I do come to believe, that if I give my life in service to God, and if God requires me to give above and beyond 10% of my income, that God has more than enough to supply my needs. We don't have a deficit. We have more than what we need. I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, we have has given us more than you and I could possibly spend in a lifetime, not just money, but God has gifted us with the things we need. To get it done. Every time I see Larry and his volunteers cutting the grass, it, everybody can use some type of gift to build up the kingdom of God. Because by those volunteers cutting the grass, it saves us and have to spend money to pay somebody to cut this enormous field of grass. God says it's more, you have more than enough. Fourth, radical hospitality is required as currency in the kingdom. Friends, we have to love God and love what God loves, and that's people. The text says, for God so loved the world 
And if you me, I want to edit. I want to put a disclaimer in there for God. So love those who come to the church every Sunday. For God so loved those who lacks everything the preacher says. For God so loved those who takes to take what they have and give it immediately to the poor. But the text doesn't say that. For God so loved the world, nations, ethnic groups, the world that God Losing one person because of non-belief is not acceptable in the kingdom. Our entire mission is to introduce Jesus to the world, period. Not to change people, not to make people wear pink, not to tell people go to Walmart shop. Our entire is to introduce people to Jesus. And if there's something wrong with that person, don't you know God who made the person in the first place knows how to correct the problem if we teach people how to walk with God. Five, a disciple, a follower of Christ has to know why, why we give our life in the service of God. We do so by honoring God for all God has done for us. We need to just look at the cross and see where God was crucified on our behalf. God was crucified. The church didn't recognize God in Jesus Christ. God was crucified for Judas who sold him for 30 pieces of silver. God was crucified us and we follow Jesus because we want everyone that comes into our space to realize that God wants all to know that they are loved by their creator. Six, obedience to God. Friend, one of the things that God has done that I never understood God has given us choice, free will. We can choose to be obedient, or we can choose not to be obedient. Obedience and free will is the great equalizer in the kingdom of God. What we choose rather than obey God, what we choose and we decide to do it and disobey God, determines our level of prosperity in the kingdom. You remember Galatians 6 says, do not deceive yourself. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, that will they reap. For one who sows to their own flesh will reap from the flesh. And what they will reap is corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will inherit the spirit and reap eternal life. Brothers and sisters, that's what we're about. We want to sow good seeds into the soil, good seeds of love, faith, and hope, good seeds that God can grow. Seven, 
Let hope in God cast out all fear. Brothers and sisters, we are agents of hope. It's what we do. We were created by Jesus as the church to be a visible symbol of hope in the world. Hope is confident and expects God to, to take care of them and to do good through them. No matter what we see around us in the world, on our television or through our eyesights in Bloomington Normal, we still know hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within the hearts through the Holy Spirit. We project hope because we know greater is the one that is inside of us than the one that is in the world. Hope is an expectancy that God is always with us and God is always good. In the good and bad times, God is always there for us. Eight, we must create sanctuary. I know a lot of people think this worship space is sanctuary, but the, uh, the truth of the matter is the word sanctuary simply means a safe place, a safe place. It means that whenever someone is in your company, whenever someone is in your space as a follower of Christ, that should be a safe place for them. We should endeavor to create spaces where people feel comfortable and people feel safe among us, a safe place for people. It's one of the greatest ways to create sanctuary. And to do that, friends, you have to be curious and not judgmental. I don't understand why People in my family do what they do, particularly, close your ears, my 19-year-old daughter. I don't know why she chose to go to school in, Saint jo in, in Chicago, Illinois, when there was a perfectly good school down the road in a safe little town called Lebanon, Illinois, with only 4,000 people in the entire town. But instead of me putting her down, I had to ask questions. Why did you choose to go to this God forsaken? I mean, why did you choose to go <laughs> to, to that place rather than where God wants you to go, McKendry College? And she said, Pops, I've been in small towns my entire life, but my heart has always wanted to explore what happens in cities. This may be the only time in my life that I can choose to live and go to school where I think it's best for me. End of discussion, right? That's a wrap. That's what God calls us to do. Not to judge people, not to tear folks down, but to create a safe place, a sanctuary, so they can be free, free enough to see the God that is in us free enough that when they see the God that is in us, they will want to have that same God speaking in and through them. The one ability that God has not given us is the ability to change people's minds.
mindsets and attitudes. It does not happen. You can make people conform to your will through punishment. I have a Bishan Frisette. And when any book you read about the Bishans, what they tell you is they have a fantastic memory. You cannot train them by punishing them. It just won't happen. Because they are so smart, they know when your voice has changed and you're getting ready to punish them, you can't even catch them, number one. <laughs> they say you must train the Bishan through giving treats and care and love, giving them rewards and making them feel that they are special. To do that trains the Bishan. Now that goes against everything I was taught about how to train animals. But now the Bishan goes outside and he, use, he uses the restroom because he knows that he's gonna get some love if he does it. He knows that he's gonna get some peanuts or some other treat when he does it. That's what God is calling you and I to do in the world. Be a safe place where people can see the God that is at work in you. So people can see that I'm not perfect. I know y'all think pastors are perfect, but when you get to heaven, ask Jesus, he'll tell you. <laughs> but be a safe place where people can feel like this is a place of sanctuary, where no harm is going to come to me in this space. Be a place where people can know that you are a follower of the Christ. And if they but follow Christ, their problems are not going to disappear. If they but follow Christ, they're not going to inherit some ungodly amount of money. But if they but follow Christ, there will be no weapon formed on earth that will be able to destroy us because God is with us. And if God is in it, who can be against us? Let us pray, brothers and sisters. Spirit of the living God, Thank you so, 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 so much for giving us the opportunity to give back what you have first given to us in service of you. We know we can never repay all the gifts that you have given to us. We can never repay the times where when we were in mourning and we were sad and when we were heartbroken, you came beside us when nobody was there and reminded us of your great love. Thank you, God, that you give us choice. You don't mandate that we give ourselves to you. You invite us to do so out of a heart that recognizes that you love them more than anything. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters, would you please stand and let us sing one of my favorite hymns in the entire world, Leaning on the Everlasting Arm.